did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me, too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the Internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Jean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters. Today, we are talking with Catherine Staffieri. Did I say that right, Catherine? Staffieri, yep. Staffieri, okay. And Catherine is a part of a company known as Nutrisense. Nutrisense. I was about to say, I knew it wasn't Nutrisystems. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. And she is here to talk today about how there's been a revolution in the way we are managing blood sugar in, in some ways to really benefit health and insulin management in particular and why this is so important to women as they go through their menopause journey from perimenopause to to postmenopause. And I would say beyond, but there really isn't anything beyond. We know this. (laughs) And so today I'm going to want to talk about insulin and insulin management. Catherine, it's so good to have you. Can you give us a little bit of your background and a little bit of background about Nutrisense? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, first of all. This is my favorite topic to talk about. Um, and a little bit of background about me. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I've been working at Nutrisense for a little over two years now. Nutrisense is one of the fastest growing healthcare tech startups. Um, and our goal, our mission is to optimize everyone's health potential. Um, we truly believe that this technology, continuous glucose monitors, is not just for a diabetic population, that really anyone can benefit from uh, using this tool. We really think of it as like a really powerful health tool. Um, And we have developed our own really snazzy app (laughs) to go (laughs) with all that data. Um, And what's special about Nutrisense is that in your, for, for your first month, you get complimentary nutrition support. So that's really what we think differentiates us is that, you know, you can get this data and, and, you know, maybe you've tracked something in the past. Maybe you've worn an Apple watch or counted calories or whatever it was, but you just don't really know how to put it all together or how to make changes. Or it's like, well, this is a lot of interesting data maybe, but what do I do with it? So what we specialize in is that we help you navigate using that data to help you optimize your health goals and get you to where you want to be. So we feel we, we feel pretty special about that. I work with a bunch of amazing dietitians, nutritionists, um, and, uh, you know, we just, we love the data. We love the evidence-based science stuff. 
Okay, great, because that's where I come from, from as well. So let's talk a little bit about what insulin is and what it does and why we need to care about our blood sugar levels. I, probably most people are aware that there is a, an epidemic, let's say, of type 2 diabetes, especially in the United States, uh, that it's really been a, a true problem over the last, growing problem over the last 30 to 40 years. And a lot of times we don't quite understand what insulin is, why it's so important to regulate both our blood sugar and our insulin levels. So let's talk a little bit about that. Of course, I think it's so important, you're right, to just kind of go through, start at the basics, right? Start at the fundamentals so that everyone understands what exactly, you know, we're talking about and why is it so important. So insulin is a hormone that your body produces from your pancreas. And we like to compare our, your glucose and insulin interaction as kind of a lock and key scenario, right? So you take in carbohydrates, the body breaks it down into its most simple building block, which is glucose, and the glucose enters into your bloodstream and floats around. Now your body senses that and says, aha, I'm sensing some glucose in our system. We are going to create some insulin and release it out to meet up with the amount of carbohydrate that you've taken in. That's how things work in sort of the perfect scenario, right? The amount of glucose that's coming in, the body creates the right amount of insulin to match that. And then we think of it as a lock and key um, example or metaphor. So the insulin acts as the key that unlocks the cell and allows the glucose to enter the cell because we want glucose. Glucose provides energy for us. Our brain really loves glucose. So it's it's an important thing. We're not anti-carbohydrate. We're not anti-sugar. It's just how can we be using it and optimizing it in the best way possible for our body. Now, unfortunately, there can be some dysregulation for, for many reasons. But as we get older, many more people can be susceptible to insulin resistance. And that's where the body is perhaps producing plenty of insulin, maybe even, you know, more than we need, but the cells are not recognizing it. It's not unlocking our cells. So we're not able to use the glucose as much. There's a dysregulation and there's a resistance to the insulin. So that's really where this kind of, you, know, you, you can't measure that in your annual physical, right? That's not something that necessarily your doctor can point to, um, you know, from your lab panel. Maybe you can look at an A1C or a fasting glucose. Th those are interesting data points, but those are sort of one moment in time data points. And what the continuous glucose monitor does is that as it says, it continuously monitors your glucose over a longer period of time. So you can really see trends throughout the day, throughout a couple of weeks, throughout a couple of months, and then you can make behavior and lifestyle changes to optimize your glucose. So that's a long-winded answer. <laughs> to your okay, so let me talk a little bit about how menopause plays into this, because what what happens during menopause is insulin is one hormone, but there are two other hormones that we're particularly, we particularly care about, although there are actually, as I often talk about it, six that are hugely important and then a whole bunch that are uh, minorly affected. But 
estrogen and progesterone, and estrogen in particular works with insulin to help insulin work better. And so as we get into menopause and our estrogen levels start to drop, insulin isn't working as well. So the insulin resistance is a natural, somewhat natural consequence of menopause. But then we add all of our lifestyle factors and that makes it even worse. So this new uh, continuous glucose monitoring idea beyond the idea of doing it for either type 1 or type 2 diabetes is really important to us as women to say, hey, here we are with a bunch of insulin factors that are making it harder for insulin to work well. Throw in thyroid, which doesn't work as thyroid hormone, which also doesn't work as well without the, without the estrogen. And now you get into a real problem with insulin resistance because we aren't metabolizing the sugar as quickly as we once were. And I fully agree with that. That's a great explanation. And then I'm going to add another factor onto that. And Good. menopause is also associated with a decrease in that lean body mass, right? In your muscle mass and increased visceral fat, which is that, you know, abdominal. Sometimes we see an increase in abdominal fat, um, and that's that sarcopenia, right? It's the it's the decline in your muscle mass and an increase in your uh, fat mass, and that can impair your insulin sensitivity as well. So multiple factors, yep. Can Our be- other two favorite hormones, testosterone for the lean muscle mass, because mm-hmm. that is decreasing as a factor of age and and less effective as a factor of its relationship with estrogen and uh, cortisol, which really the cortisol spiking and due to the stress. Now, some of the stress is, is menopause. Some of the stress is life. And some of the stress is, again, the interaction between cortisol and estrogen, which it's not working as well again. So cortisol spikes up and that tells you to put on that belly fat because obviously the Nile is not going to flood this year. We are in a famine and now we have to have enough belly fat to last until the Pharaoh releases the grain from the grain granaries. Uh, my my old favorite <laughs> um, it, explanation about what cortisol does to our to our gut and it's it's all about famine. And therefore, we put on that belly fat, and that's designed to, to keep us alive. Correct. Oh, <laughs> the old hormone mess. It is a mess. <laughs> We've heard it all before. So tell me, so your company is specifically, or your work is specifically about regulating insulin. So are we trying to get to minimize insulin or what are we trying trying to do about insulin yeah well i would say insulin is really what we are 
trying to get at, but the, but the monitors don't measure insulin and okay. you can get a fasting insulin. Uh, that is something that maybe some of your audience has gotten at some point. It's not necessary. It's not covered in a standard lab panel. So, okay. um, depends on how savvy, uh, your audience is. And you know, perhaps they've asked their, their doctors or a functional doctor, something like that for, for this extra, extra lab metric. But what we use is we use the glucose monitor as a proxy for what our insulin is doing. So we can, we can generally see if things are looking, you know, you're, we have, we have what we call time within range and it's, it's the range of, of glucose that we like to see someone's, you know, uh, ups and downs, peaks and valleys stay between on a 24 hour basis. So we set that as just a default level of 70 to 140, right? And if we mm-hmm. see that someone is, is staying within those bands, there's, you know, that's, that, that's good. Like, you know, that things must be working well. Your insulin must be matching up with the carbohydrates that you're taking in. Your body's able to handle your the glucose load from a meal, or your body's able to handle a glucose load from a cortisol spike um, or from an exercise spike or something like that. So high level, we can kind of see if things are staying within that range. Your body's doing okay, probably. But if we start to see some very, very high swings and, and big drops or very high glucose levels that stay elevated for a very long time, that's when we think there's something, you know, th- there's something else going on here. What's happening? And that can be kind of a proxy for, okay, maybe we're seeing some signs of insulin resistance. Let's dig into this a little bit more. Let's, let's really dive into it. So what's great about, um, what, all of this that our, our app in particular, but just talking about this is that it's not just the foods that we're eating. It's all about the stress, as you just mentioned the exercise that we're getting and the sleep that we're getting. All of those really sort of the four pillars that we talk a lot about, uh, those are the real drivers of your uh, glucose uh, variability, those swings, those variability Mm -hmm. measurements. And that's what we're trying to minimize. We're trying to minimize the variability in your glucose. We don't expect a flat line. But we want to make sure that it's, uh, as I mentioned before, gentle ocean waves, not these huge tsunamis. The, the, the bigger and longer and higher it is, the more we think there, there might be something else going on here. And just because I think, I don't know, my listeners may or may not know this, but when you eat a, a meal that is high in carbohydrates, your blood sugar goes way up or spikes. And then, as it hits, as, as your digestion takes care of that and your insulin puts that away. And by the way, if insulin doesn't find muscle or other tissue, uh, metabolically active tissue to put it in, guess where it puts it? It puts it in fat. And that's where we start to, to see weight gains. And it does that. So if you're, exercising and you quote carb load well before an activity it's still going to put that those that blood sugar away into fat cells and then it is much more difficult to unlock and bring back out and use for an activity especially if you're eating carbs on a real regular basis so if your body is used to using carbs to get the majority of its energy or all of its energy 
then it's going to be very difficult for your body to pull it out of the fat. So you want to you want to match your carb loading to the activity you're doing because you don't want it put ever put away into the fat cells because it's more difficult to get it out of the fat cells. But then when you hit the end of that blood sugar, what you do is crash. And then your body says, feed me sugar. Feed me sugar. Give it to me now. And I, this actually happened to me yesterday. I, I ate a breakfast that was a little more carby than normal, than I normally do. And then we went out for a bike ride and we're going up a hill and the hill got steep and I, I didn't make it, got off the, got off the bike and I was literally shaking because my blood sugar was so low because it had been four or five hours since, since I had eaten. So this, this cycle of spike and crash causes a lot of cravings and a lot of desire for, for more food in our bodies. And we usually satisfy that by eating something sugary, drinking a soft drink, or in some way spiking our sugar again, which then starts the cycle all over again. So what we're talking about with this continuous glucose monitoring is actually being able to see those rises and falls and understand how they are affecting not just performance, not just fat, but our moods and everything else that is going on. Because frankly, when you hit a sugar crash, you tend to be a not happy person. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Or we could use the other word for it. <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. It can, it can really set off a cascade of of uh snacking or you know then you 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 could reach for a cup of coffee and then that induces a cortisol spike i mean you're absolutely right um it can really set off um a whole uh host of things uh uh you know of of that those bigger waves and everything um afterwards wow so let me ask you a question here is let's talk about something else for a moment low carb or keto um ketogenic diets they are very some of them can be very very low in carbohydrates um my body happens to like them um i tend to do very well on them but what's happening from an insulin perspective when you eat a meal that is let's say uh, a steak and a salad with no carb veg uh, low carb vegetables and maybe some broccoli or asparagus, which would be a meal that that is really low in sugar carbs. It's not necessarily low in true carbohydrates because all vegetables are carbohydrates, but they're mostly fiber and they're mostly um, low they they have a lower effect on our on our blood sugar so let's talk about a ketogenic or a low carb diet yeah absolutely so you know some people think ketogenic when when i first was in uh, my dietary nutrition training in school we learned about a ketogenic diet purely for treating epilepsy i mean it was like no one you know no one did this on their own because it, the traditional ketogenic diet is so high in fat 
And so people were, you know, and it was like basically zero carbohydrate. And I think it's been um, you know, flexed over time. And so now people see it as more of a higher protein diet than a higher you know, fat diet. Um, mm-hmm. but, but keeping it really traditionally low in carbs can be hard to maintain over time. So some people will follow what we call, you know, a ketogenic diet. And then we talk about flexing in and out because, um, a ketogenic diet, as you said, if you were to follow that for, a, you know, for, for a while, you would see your glucose be very, very low, very low and steady because you're not taking in a lot of glucose. As you said, the vegetables that you're having are very high in fiber. Hopefully you're adding some healthy fats in there as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, you are you would see a very, very minor, if anything, you know, increase in your glucose from a meal. Um, and when we do have people following ketogenic diets, you know, very, pretty strictly, um, and they do have an increase in their glucose and they say, you know, why would that be? That's when we turn to some of those other pillars that I talked about, like, was that a stressful meal? You know, were you, you know, was it like a a lunch and then you had to sit at your desk for about three or four hours? Like you, you didn't move around at all afterwards, after you ate things like that. So generally when you're having a very low carbohydrate meal, you should see a very small, if, if at all, increase in your glucose afterwards. And you should have a quick recovery. So we talk a lot about recovery, um, when you're looking at glucose data, because, what we want to see is that you know, even if you do have some fruit, some grapes or something as a snack, or you have an apple or something like that, you, you, you might see your glucose increase and that's okay. But what we want to make sure is that you're coming back down to your baseline within a good hour of time, uh, within about two hours of time. And so um, we look a lot at recovery as well. So even if you are having a ketogenic diet with um, some carbohydrates, you're likely not to go very high and it's very likely that you'll come back to your baseline quickly. So if you were following a ketogenic diet or a low-carb diet, um, would you, uh, what would you see as, as markers or uh, tells that maybe insulin resistance was still an issue for, for a person? Um, what, would, what would you see as symptoms without being on a, a CGM? Yeah, I, I would say it's pretty, I think that's where the power of the CGM comes in. It's very difficult to see that from an annual lab draw, right? So okay. I think that's why people can be surprised when all of a sudden their doctor says, oh, you're pre-diabetic or, oh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you sort of cross this threshold that we didn't even know that we were edging towards. And so having this tool is a great preventative health measure. Perhaps Mm -hmm. it's something that ran in your family. Perhaps you had gestational diabetes. Um, um, If you were ever pregnant and and had that diagnosis, that does put you at a higher risk for developing diabetes later in life. And you might not know that, right? If you were pregnant decades ago, depending on how old you are, um, (laughs) you know, you might not know where you're, where you are until um, you know, you've gone, you, you've, you've actually crossed that threshold into a pre-diabetic or diabetic range. And so, um, this is a great tool to be able to say, okay, where am I? What's going on? And I can see my trends. I can see, you know, how am I looking on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? And when I make some 
some different choices when I when I you know, try a different meal pattern or um, I change you know maybe the order in which I'm eating my meals. Let me see how that can impact my glucose and bring that down over time. Okay, and let's go through go one more one more place <laughs> with this, and let's just talk a little bit about why this is so important. What are the long term consequences of not having your blood sugar under control uh, not just diabetes because that's that's a word and it doesn't really mean a whole lot but to the normal person as in terms of oh yeah it's a bad thing but what is it really doing to your body to have this out of control blood sugar it's, it's such a great question because it, a lot of times people say, well, I don't have any diagnoses. I feel fine. Everything's great. I don't have a family history. Why would I want to do this? Right. And we talk a lot about the short term as we were talking about those energy crashes, things like that, things that you can improve right away. But it's really about minimizing that risk for chronic disease. And chronic diseases include, obviously, the type 2 diabetes, but it can also be atherosclerosis. Um, It's Monday. Heart disease. Let's talk about heart disease. We're talking about hardening of the arteries. We're talking about the effect of too much sugar in your arteries for too much time. And it's... It, it's a huge risk for heart disease. Absolutely. Okay. Women, I don't know if it's still the number one uh, cause of death or it was for a very long time was heart disease was the number I one thought cause it was husband. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Only um, when you're also- in a camper van with them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's, so there's that. And then there's also cancer, you know, there's, when you think about metabolic syndrome, a lot of people have heard or read about that. Uh, you know, metabolic syndrome has five factors, um, you know, uh, HDL levels, triglyceride levels, waist circumference, that abdominal adiposity, but then also it's your glucose measurements, right? So we want, that's really one of those key pillars of your metabolic health. Frankly, we think it's the most important pillar of your metabolic health, but um, because it can it can help cascade down once you get your glucose under control, it can cascade down to help decrease your abdominal adiposity. It can help decrease the inflammation in your body, and that's that. That's where you can. That's the bridge between glucose and chronic disease. It's that inflammation, right? Chronic high levels of glucose will lead to systemic inflammation in your body. And we all know all the things that can go wrong when we are chronically inflamed. Right. Um, And I want to go back to something that you just skimmed over, which was cancer. And it seems the more research I read anyway, the more cancer is linked to blood sugar levels and and that sugar in particular is one of the things that feeds cancer so Catherine I want to thank you for coming and talking about this important topic with me today how can people find out more information about this continuous glucose monitoring with NutriSense Absolutely. So I joke around that if you just say the word NutriSense three times around your phone, it'll naturally start sending you our ads. Um, 
Um, but truly, I always point people to our website because we have a fantastic blog called The Journal on our website. And for people who are unsure if this is, uh, you know, applicable to them or how this could help them, we have articles upon articles, all evidence-based, to show how glucose monitoring and optimizing your glucose levels can really improve all manners of health um, and promote longevity. So I definitely recommend everyone go to www.nutrisense.io. And we are also on all the social media platforms. If you have Instagram, we have um, some really fun videos of people doing different tests with different foods. You know, I ate these four fruits, look what happened, or I took a walk, or I tried the salad dressing. So you get to see how people are really applying uh, the meals and exercise to optimize their glucose. It's super fun. Sounds like an interesting self-experiment into your own health. Thank you so much for coming to visit with me today. If you'd like to hear more from Catherine, we'll be uh, showing a short segment on our TV show, Menopause Matters, on Phoenix, F-E-N-I-X, TV dot app on Tuesday night. So come and join Catherine and me for a little bit more talk about this very important topic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you. 